Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today is Monday, July 18th, and lots of interesting stories that are percolating around. Just going to go ahead and lead off podcast with just a little bit of a news rundown. Uh, we've got a lot of great stuff at Hot Air, so if you haven't already seen it, uh, we've already been looking at the Uvalde report on the police response to the terrible mass shooting at the elementary school in Uvalde, the Robb Elementary. And it showed hundreds of police officers ended up responding to this, but waiting 70 minutes to take any sort of action against the shooter. And and I think that when you're looking at this, there is also another story out. It was out over the weekend about another mass shooting in uh, at a, a mall in Greenwood, Indiana, where you had an armed citizen who ended up interceding and shooting the mass shooter before he had a chance to uh, add a lot of victims to his body count. He did kill three people uh, and wounded two others prior to the armed citizen being able to uh, take him out. But it could have been a lot worse. This guy went into a mall with a rifle and several fully loaded magazines. He was uh, planning to do an awful lot of shooting. And you had an ordinary armed citizen who stepped up and took care of matters immediately. Whereas in Uvalde, you had hundreds of law enforcement officers who felt constrained for one reason or another uh, from entering that room and engaging the shooter. And this is, I think, I think it points out, first off, there's certainly particular issues that happen in Uvalde, right? So there's, there are, there are pathologies in the Uvalde police response that Uvalde, Texas is going to have to settle and the state of Texas is going to have to settle through training, through better procedures, through whatever it takes. Certainly heads rolling will be one of those steps that will happen here in Texas. And I think you're going to have a lot more uh, assertive law enforcement response in the future. But if we had hardened that target beforehand and not just by having locking doors, which the which Rob Elementary had, uh, but by allowing teachers who want to be armed in classrooms to arm themselves, not requiring them to do so, but those who feel that they are uh, adept enough to be able to handle that responsibility. Uh, that is certainly one thing that would have cut that murder spree short. It would have at least allowed the teachers to defend the students or, or, or the other staff to defend the students. And that's what we saw in Greenwood. We saw in Greenwood that an armed citizen can stop these things if you allow that. And then, of course, the ironic part of this is that the mall in Greenwood was situated precisely the same as the elementary school was, which is to say it was a declared gun-free zone. Uh, in terms of schools, that's by statute. In terms of the mall in Greenwood, that's by the dent of the property owner who has the right to do that. They have the right to put up gun-free zones, and uh, normally you're supposed to comply with that. This one person decided that he was going to carry anyway, law-abiding citizen, and was able to neutralize the shooter and minimize at least the, uh, the deaths and injuries that would have otherwise taken place. And I think it's key that we look at this to say, what is it that actually disincentivizes the targeting of schools and malls and other public areas from mass shootings? And one of those things is most definitely the fact that um, armed people could show up and oppose you almost immediately rather than waiting for the police response. So I think we have to have a discussion about gun-free zones first off, because clearly gun putting up a sign that says gun-free zones doesn't dissuade mass shooters from showing up and shooting everybody inside. It does dissuade otherwise law-abiding citizens 
from uh, providing the type of response that can stop those types of incidents from escalating. <clears throat> Next up, of course, we have the uh, issue of Joe Biden's fist bump and the, the conflicting narratives from Biden and the Saudis as to whether or not he brought up Jamal Khashoggi's uh, assassination with Mohammed bin Salman. I, I mean, and this is all very interesting in itself because Joe Biden, as I wrote earlier today, is a serial fabulist who routinely <laughs> tells lies about his confronting dictators. And the New York Times' Peter Baker, Peter Baker actually has a pretty lengthy dissertation on that. Not lengthy enough because there's plenty more about Joe Biden's fabulism that got left out of this report. But clearly the, the lesson that we learn is never trust Joe Biden when it comes to a narrative that paints him in a good light, it's usually false and is almost definitely false. However, in this case, and I, I refer you again to my post, that is actually more of a distraction. The, you know, uh, Biden said, the Saudis said, conflict is more of a distraction. What is the real issue here is why he was in Saudi Arabia in the first place. And there are two key policy areas in which Biden has shown nothing but incompetence and incoherence. One is energy, and we've covered that plenty, but the other is uh, strategic policies in that region. While he was campaigning against Donald Trump, uh, Biden cited the Saudis as an indictment of Donald Trump's real politic approach to strategic diplomacy, which is certainly an area that you can criticize if you're not going to adopt it yourself, which is precisely what happened in this instance. And the reason why Biden did that was because he wanted to pander to the media outrage that had rightly erupted over the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi. And, and he did, and he benefited from that. And, um, and, and the media painted Donald Trump as a, as a assassin appeaser while you know, Joe Biden was going to provide moral clarity to America's diplomatic position. It didn't take 18 months for Joe Biden to return to real politic, but not before he was trying to engage Iran, which is much worse in terms of uh, financing terrorism, sponsoring terrorism, committing terrorism than the Saudis ever have been. And he wanted to engage them and redirect, reorient American policy towards Iran as a way of hope, hopefully ending the conflict with Iran and uh, setting the stage for an American uh, withdrawal of influence in the region. Uh, this is something that we discussed in an earlier podcast uh, with a uh, with a guest about how this is was also part of Bar Barack Obama's plan to to make the American influence smaller around the world rather than strengthen it. And that's exactly what this was about. And Joe Biden's run into a brick wall because it's an incoherent policy. So even beyond the energy policy, which I think is more or less self-explanatory, and we've covered at length in other places as well, um, it's it, this is this is what the true issue is with that Saudi meeting. Not so much whether about the fist bump or Khashoggi, but about the fact that Joe Biden's adopting the real politic that he excoriated Donald Trump for uh, for embracing, while Donald Trump was actually getting results from that in the Abraham Accords. Other things that we're talking tracking today, and hopefully you'll read it at hotair.com if you haven't already. Uh, we are talking about a new CNBC poll that shows Joe Biden hitting his lowest level yet in approval on the economy and why that matters 
and what voters who are prioritizing the economy are thinking about their midterm vote. That's actually a really interesting poll result. Hopefully you get a chance to, uh, to look at that. Uh, there was another police shooting in Minneapolis in the past week, and Black Lives Matter set up another demonstration. This time they were challenged by the mother of two children who came under fire from the person who police ended up having to kill. And um, a, a very irate um, um, biracial woman whose children are black and who is who was in the apartment building and having bullets go through her apartment building with her and her kids. That is also going to be an interesting little uh, inflection point, perhaps in the Twin Cities. We'll see if it's an inflection, a real inflection point or not. Uh, Gallup has a, a, a better rundown of their results from their institutional trust poll. That's coming up. Uh, I have that coming up. Uh, Florida poll shows Ron DeSantis almost two to one now over Donald Trump in a 2024 primary uh, in Florida, just in Florida. And uh, that's certainly an interesting take given that Donald Trump has you know, set his flag in Florida for that, for that purpose and a couple of other purposes as well. So it'll be interesting to see whether that influences Trump's decision to perhaps rethink a, another try at the age of 78 to get back into the White House. Uh, we got more coming up as well. And now we're going to talk with uh, one of my uh, good friends, the tech guy, Peter Ngemi, about Elizabeth Warren's attack on crisis pregnancy centers that exist to support women who are going through a very difficult time with love, understanding, and lots of options that Planned Parenthood never, ever presents. Stay tuned for more from The Ed Morrissey Show, coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. And joining me today is a very old friend of mine. He's not very old. We're just, we just go way back. Way back to the very murky beginnings of the blogosphere. Peter Ngemi, the tech guy from detechguyblog.blog. And there's a story behind that as well. Uh, great Catholic blogger, great blogger in general. Uh, just a, uh, uh, one of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet when you're hanging around the conferences. And, uh, Peter, is such a great uh, opportunity here to, to talk with you again, and we have Elizabeth Warren to thank for that. Yes, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say this for Elizabeth Warren. She's done me two good turns over the last six months. I had an issue, a tax issue, and I emailed her office because she is my senator, right. and her office did get back to me and provided some consent. I'll give her this plug at the beginning. Her office got back to me and provided some constituent service, which is, you know, her job, but it's... Right. It's good that the office does that. And of course, she led to this because I really haven't done anything with the greater blogosphere in a rather long time, actually. Been, it seems it seems like it's been a while. I think since, well, before uh, before COVID, I think the last CPAC, yeah. the one I went to with my sons. I think we were we were both there at the same time, that last CPAC, right as the um, right as the uh, pandemic was breaking out. No, I wasn't at the one just before the pandemic. I was oh, okay. at the one before that because I was, I don't know if you, I introduced you to my sons. My two sons came with That's me. That's right. Yep. And I got I want to give a plug to my sons in this, in this respect. You remember me from CPAC constantly working, constantly working, constantly recording, constantly running. And when I had my sons there, it was their first CPAC and their first time as credential press anywhere. My oldest made it a point to do the camera so I could be in the interviews and, 
gave me a lot of good tips to make things better. My youngest made sure I didn't work myself to death. And he, you know, they, they slowed me down and made me better, which, which is, it's good to see. It's good when your children do that. And they're good, good, solid, honorable Catholic men. And I've, I've been very blessed in my wife and my sons, and I, I can't say enough about them. Well, I, I, that's that's a blessing. Glad to hear that. Yeah, kids tend to slow you down in lots of different ways. But <laughs> we'll talk about that maybe some other time. Let's get back to Elizabeth Warren because, and and by the way, kudos to her and kudos to you for giving her the shout out, her office, the shout out. Yes, that's her job to provide constituent services. Some are better at it than others. Um, and it's not supposed to be based on whether or not you agree with them, but, uh, you know, just the same. Um, and we certainly don't agree with Elizabeth Warren on what we used to call crisis pregnancy centers. I know that uh, that the nomenclature on this, the preferred nomenclature is changing around this. Um, uh, but the pregnancy centers that exist to support women and support their children, uh, generally speaking, are uh, private, well, almost entirely speaking, they're, they're privately supported. They're, um, they are wonderful places that are operated by wonderful people who are looking to provide the entire range of options for women who face, uh, you know, clearly a crisis in their lives. And yet Elizabeth Warren has gone out of her way to paint this as some sort of nefarious bait and switch scheme in which women who are um, looking for abortions are being hoodwinked and defrauded and that the government has to intervene to stop these uh, centers that exist to um, tell women that, uh, you know, they've got other options. I'm, I, I've been really, uh, I, I've been sort of bemused by this, Peter. Um, it's a longstanding charge, but it's really gained a lot of, um, it's really gained a lot of traction, especially with Elizabeth Warren. And you have a great post up about this. And, you know, you know people who operate these. I know a couple of people who, who work in this field, too. But you know them probably, you know these people better than I probably know them. And I really wanted to get your perspective on Warren's criticism, what the reality of these uh, pregnancy centers actually is. Well, Warren's criticism in one respect is valid in the sense that the pregnancy centers online are looking for women who have not considered options other than abortion. Right. They have, I mean, because how do I say the best way to put this is to the Elizabeth Warrens of the world, to the left of the world. The problem is the child. But to the pregnant woman, the problem isn't the child. The problem is, how do I support my child? How can I pay my rent with my child? How can I take care of my family with this with this child or another child? How can I finish my college with the child? And what these pregnancy centers that I've discovered over the years, especially through my work with WQPH, uh, shameless plug, I host a show every Saturday on WQPH. It's recorded called Your Prayer Intentions. It's Saturday at noon at 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. And if your listeners ever have prayer intentions, they can post them on our prayer wall at WQPHradio.org, and I'll be happy to include them in the show. And we pray for, we pray for people constantly. And when I, when I would go to conferences and go to events and you'd find out about these organizations. For example, Belmont Abbey College in, I believe it's North Carolina. I was there for a radio conference and I was interviewing the president. And that's part of the post that I have up, that interview. And he talked about 
Miravita in the program whereby there were so many call they found that so many college age women when they got pregnant they were looking at abortion because they did not want to stop their schooling they offered 10 credit hours for free they'll put you up they'll let you they'll give you a place to stay free credit free place to stay free credit hours subject to of course availability because people will jump at it they help care for you before the baby's born they help care for the baby after they're born and they've been doing this for a decade and i hadn't heard of i mean i'm a church going catholic i mean i'm a daily mass guy right and i hadn't heard about that and then there's problem pregnancy in worcester when they're saying well what am i going to do i gotta i gotta get the rent we'll find the rent we gotta get a dishwasher we'll find the dishwasher places like visitation house which has an annual dinner in worcester again all privately funded that literally will let a woman stay at their house teach them parenting skills and so forth and all these things are going on and have been going on and have been going on because to the people in these centers, it's all about solving the problem. The child is not the problem. The pro the thing that prevents you from keeping the child is the problem. Right. So their focus, it's, it's totally different. They see humanity as these children, as the child of, children of God. And Elizabeth Warren and the left see them as a problem that needs to be eliminated well i mean again i mean all they're doing is providing options right i mean this is the type of thing if you're if you're supposedly and i don't like to necessarily flip people's language back on themselves because i think it's too easy of a rhetorical trick but i mean literally in this case this movement calls itself pro-choice elizabeth warren's side calls it pro-choice and yet what they're trying to do is they're trying to eliminate all the choices uh, so that the only choice that these women have um, to deal with the situation that they're in is aborting a child. And I mean, it's just ludicrous. They're not kidnapping women. They're not forcing them into chains for, you know, for this six or seven months and that sort of thing. They're just simply presenting them with a different range of options. And sometimes that range of options comes with financial support. Sometimes it comes with emotional support. Sometimes it comes with family support. But they 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 connect people up. Uh, almost all of them um, provide some sort of healthcare related support. In fact, I don't know one that doesn't. Maybe uh, maybe there's an informational office that you're aware of. I just haven't heard of that. Usually, most of these things, uh, most of these pregnancy centers are set up as 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 clinics of some sort, and there's medical personnel on hand to to walk women through all these different choices as well, Peter and. I mean, I just don't understand what the objection is here, except to the extent that these centers are taking business away from big time donors in the abortion industry, like Planned Parenthood and other uh, such organizations. And well, well, think about what these centers represent. I mean, consider the language Elizabeth Warren has called this. You quote, and this is her direct quote, quote, you should not be able to torture a pregnant woman like that, she said, referring to the work done by the pro-life charities. And if you see these people, torture is the, the, that, that she would use that, that phraseology is so amazing when you consider all that's being done and all that's constantly being done. I was at a, a one day retreat at Still River in Harvard, Still River, Massachusetts, and we had a deacon speak about one of these centers that he's involved in. It's a, a multi-denominational center. Of course, being Catholic, I get I get a lot of uh, information about how Catholic stuff, 
but this one that I hadn't actually heard of called First Concern. And they're just, again, they'll come up with the rent, they'll come up with the medical, they'll come up with, because they, they will come up with what do you need? What can allow you to have this child? But, the, but that's the real thing, because the left has painted itself as the great defender of women, when they can figure out how to define one, of course, and <laughs> which is a not, which is another real, real thing. But think about what these pregnancy centers do, and how they're a problem. Them, I mean, like I said, all of them attack the problem that women might face with pregnancy, rather than treating the child as the problem. All of them, you know, they'll provide financial needs. All of them are get their support not from the government, but from donors that they just, it's donors giving. And what's really interesting is that they all get almost no attention, even in local media, you see very little attention. One of the videos I have posted up is from almost eight years ago where problem pregnancy in Worcester, which was attacked over the last couple of weeks was attacked back in 2012 and it got almost no press. I was, I was the press that was covering it. And this, the difference is that now there's a little bit of more, there's more alternatives like us and there's more of us and there's the national attention. So a little bit of that news is getting out there, but none of these things benefit the left. Think of what, what happens with Planned Parenthood and the funding that Planned Parenthood gets from the federal government. When the federal government funds a Planned Parenthood, they're funding Democrat activists. Right. And when a comp- when plant- Democrat activists get large amount of taxpayer funding, what happens to a portion of that taxpayer funding? It comes back in terms of donations to the, to the parties, donations to the PACs, donations to the individual. It's it's Hunter Biden's 10% deal without a, for the big guy with, with a lot of big guys. And it's been going on for decades. And every time these pregnancy centers, not only does it take away the business from the abortion mills. And of course, it shouldn't matter because from what we remember, we've been told these abortion mills, it's only 3% of their business. So they should be thriving. We should be, Planned Parenthood should be thriving in Texas and thriving in Alabama and thriving in Florida because there's all of these women, all these 97% of their other services that they should be able to provide and do well at. They don't need abortion to make money in those states because it's only 3% of their business. But again, all of these things, make the lie in the we're helping women will or as they would put it pregnant people uh, <laughs> uh it it shows the difference between actually providing help and basically an abortion mill trying to generate the money from the abortions and from the sale of the bits of of the baby which is in itself i i won't say it's more monstrous than the actual murder of the child but it's it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, you know, these the pregnancy centers, as far as I'm aware of, and, and again, I don't have, you know, complete and perfect knowledge on this, but no one's ever actually pointed to one of these that misrepresented what it was, that somehow gave, you know, um, bad medical care to people who showed up there, um, who lied about what their status was and what their options were. I can name at least a couple of a couple of abortion clinics where all of that was true. And I mean, we, Kermit Gosnell is certainly, you know, chief among those, but he was hardly the only one. 
Um, there have been all sorts of different abortion clinics that have operated without um, oversight and where women have died, where babies were born alive and were uh, allowed to die or, or flat out killed. That was Gosnell, of course. Um, so, again, I just get back to this. It, it, it's really, I mean, it's almost like it's punching down. And this is what really bothers me about what's going on with Elizabeth Warren. Because, you know, in your post, and again, you got to go to uh, blog to, to read this post, and you should. When you talk to people who actually work in these places, they're they're committed to helping people. Now, you may disagree with their position on abortion. They may disagree with yours. But these people are trying to help women and 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 not just women but men men and women who are facing oh, yeah. a facing a, a a a situation that they certainly would consider a crisis and trying to walk with them through that journey so that they make wise decisions and again even if you don't agree with how they see wisdom in this case they're not bad they're, they're not at all bad people these are people who are trying to give of themselves to help other people and to turn them into villains like this is to me really just despicable um because these pregnancy centers aren't the issue here i mean the fact that they're angry about the dobbs decision i get that but the solution to that is legislate rather than demonize people who are trying to help other people it's like it's like um criticizing mother Teresa for <laughs> for well, helping people uh, helping people who are terminally ill it's uh, it, it's 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 I don't know. I just can't even explain it. It's inexplicable. I think it's very explicable. And the reason why it's inexplicable to you, Ed, is because you're a decent and nice guy. <laughs> I, this is, this is well, where, on my good days. On my good days, maybe, Peter. This is where my Sicilian heritage comes in very useful. <laughs> where if, you're think, if, you're, if you work under the assumption that the, the criticism here is about helping women and protecting women, and trying to do what's best for women, then yes, this makes no sense. But I don't work under the, that assumption. Think of, think of the electoral situation for the Democrats right now. You have a horrible economy. You have a president who's who at worst his legitimacy is questioned and at best his competence is, is questioned. Right. You have a failing foreign policy. You have things we have not seen in our lifetime, shortages of basic items from baby formula to tampons for women. You have people who are afraid to say that a woman is a female human. Yeah. You have all of these things going on and they're bleeding voters. So who do they have to make sure is fired up who will turn up? Their base, the most fanatical people. And for the most fanatical people, when you attack the pregnancy centers, when you attack those that make them villains, what you are doing is saying to your base, you need to show up. You need to give us money. Well, you need to give us money is the big one. You need to show up. You need to go. It's it's a way to keep their base energized and focused. And yes, it's not too late. To, you don't have to stop fighting. Yes, we can do this. It's all right now. This is all about trying to keep their base going. And it reminds me actually of a story from since Biden is compared to Carter a lot. In uh, the election of 1980, uh, one of the networks had Tip O'Neill on the air during the Reagan landslide. And O'Neill, being a very loyal Democrat, said a Democrat tide was sweeping the country, even though Carter had already started to concede. 
Right. And he was later thanked by West Coast Democrats where the uh, polls had not closed, saying, thank you for doing that because you saved us some seats because you kept our people going. And that's that's what this is really is. This is a they want to give a reason for their voters to show up. And I think this is also the reason why you didn't see them enforce the law. Imagine if they had enforced the law, for example, on protesting in front of Kavanaugh's house. Imagine if they had condemned going after Kavanaugh dinner or going after Barrett's. Who will they upset? They will upset the violent left who are the most motivated base they have. Right. And not only are they afraid of keeping them from showing up, but uh, this is their religion, and there's no religion, nothing worse to their religion than an apostate. So if they criticize yeah. them, they'll go after them, and they know they're violent. So all of this is all of this. I don't know what Elizabeth Warren actually believes, and I don't want to assume that she. I do not want to make the assumption that she doesn't believe what she says she believes, because I wouldn't like someone to make that assumption of me. Right. But this is. If you look at this thing through Marxist, my, I had a friend who used to command at Fort Devens who said, when you look at these people, if you work from the start idea that they're all Marxists, that all makes sense. And if you look at the idea of utilitarianism, yes, then all of this makes sense. All of the actions, if you look at the Demic, if you look at the media actions, if you look at people like Warren's actions, if you look at the January 6th committee, if you look at all of this stuff, if you look at it in terms of utilitarianism, then it all makes sense. Because again, the goal is power, the goal is retaining. But the goal for the program pregnancy people, the goal for these people are to save the child's life. The, the goal is to give women's options. And some of them, like I go to the CareNet dinner every year, the New Hampshire CareNet dinner, which is weird because we have one here in Fitchburg, but on, on my local, local Knights of Columbus chapter supports it. Full disclosure, I'm a, a, a Knight of Columbus. Uh, Good for you. They are. Uh, they will give the options, and if the, the person insists on abortion, they'll you know they'll they'll they're not going to try and stop. They won't stop them. Right. But the idea is that again, women want options. People want real choices, and people turn to abortion when there's no other choice. My old pastor used to say, and it was in fact I interviewed him in front of a Planned Parenthood in Fitchburg before it closed, uh, and he said abortion is the abandonment of hope. Yes, it's and despair. It is. It is the which ultimate is a great sin yeah. as a as a as a Catholic. It, and what these centers do is they provide hope. They provide a re. You can save your child. You can still have your child. And the deacon who spoke at the retreat talked about a woman who came in uh, with an eight-year-old child recently and said, "I was probably one of your first customers, and I have my grandchild because you were able to help me." And this is my grandchild who would not be here because of you. And that, yeah. though, and those stories you hear more and more. And if I might suggest to your listeners, especially your Catholic listeners, if you check with your local parish, you will probably find centers by all kinds of different names doing exactly this work in your diocese that you yes. probably haven't heard of. So check with your parish, check with your local Knights of Columbus, the pro-life groups, and you can find out and how you can help. Now, I'm a great fan of people hitting the tech guy blogs uh, tip job. I'm a very big fan of that. I'm a very big fan of people buying my book, Hail Mary, the Perfect Protestant and Catholic Prayer. But if you have the choice between giving me your money or these centers your money, 
these centers are worth your time, those times and your money. Though you give me money, I'll pay for my hosting. I'll take my wife out to dinner. You give those people money, you could save a life, and you could make yep. a future, and not just one future, generations of a future. Think of think of what it is to save generations. Yes, when, and that's what that's why. I, and I know this is a slight pivot, but this is that's why I hate what the left has done to the inner cities in the sense that you're dooming people to death. You're dooming people to the gangs. It's it's the ultimate offense against pro-life because you're dooming generations of people. Right. And that's what abortion does. It kills generations. And it's also why they're having trouble with elections now, because if you start killing your base in 1972, in a few generations, your base isn't going to be alive. And think of Stacey McCain with six children and, and grandchildren now that he has to watch on occasion, which, which is... <laughs> Of, I I'm, mean, scared. Get, I'm scared. I'm scared at that prospect. Pop of Grandpa McCain ba- <laughs> babysitting and teaching, you know, to see if they can, they'll be able to out crazy him sometime in the future, as Glenn Reynolds puts it, because no one can out crazy Robert Stacey McCain, although the left is doing a great job of trying to. Absolutely. But they're all going to be voting. Amanda Marcotte has two votes. She talks about, no, I don't want babies because they're smelly and so forth. Stacey McCain. Marcotte has her and her husband and their votes, and I hope they're very happy together. Yeah. Stacey McCain has six children. That's eight votes plus the grandchildren who in 20 years, some of them will be voting. Some might go the other way, but they're still good. this is what's been happening to the left. Yeah. And plus, now you're importing a lot of people from uh, South America, many of whom are Catholic, many of whom are Christians, many of whom are rosary prayers, many of whom are going to be supportive of of you know, of these things in the faith. And right. so now, now it's desperation. That's why you see desperation time. Well, and, and look, I mean, Peter, I mean, we're, we're going to wrap this up in a couple of minutes, but I, I, I'm so reason why I bring a Sicilian on to talk about these things, because, you know, I'm, my, my ancestors are from Calabria and, you know, we're well known as saps, so uh, but you know, the Sicilians are really clever. I'm just kidding. So we're, pa- so we're Paisan. I had one grandmother who, who was from Calabria. I believe my yeah, I believe my my great grandparents were from from Calabria. I'm actually not sure about Every, that. But I believe everyone they else. Was, my my grandmother came from the toe of the boot, and the other three other three all came from the other just across the street. The the the, the, the stone, the stone that was kicking, which is Sicily. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, on my mother's side, right? I'm Italian on my mother's side, but um, but yeah, the um. It is the issue of utilitarianism, right? It's even beyond Marxism. It's utilitarianism uh, versus the um, the sacramental nature of life. Those are the those are the two opposing viewpoints. And I I put it that way. That's that's a Catholic way of putting it. But I mean the transcendent view of human life. If you if you prefer a, a more generic term, uh, the fact that there is um, that that a created. Um, the, a created human life, um, rather than just simply the the sum total of the animal parts of a human life and its value, and and we see this all over the place, and we see this and and uh, not to get too far afield in this direction either, Peter, but just really briefly, and you can respond to this. You see this in this the entire um, identity politics, which has sort of degenerated into uh, you know the wokery, where everything is. Where, where race and ethnicity and um, sex slash gender is the, uh, you know, alpha and omega 
of all questions, right? There's, there's no agency involved. It's really all about materialism. Um, not recognizing that people have free will, people have intellects, people can make, people uh, make choices, people have a very, you know, um, uh, wide and, and, you know, wide breadth and depth of free will and how they can go about things. I see this as sort of the uh, sine qua non of the um, of, of the um, utilitarian view of human of humanity. It, it, I was just writing about this today because there was this really interesting piece about uh, how um, uh, Rui uh, Teixeira dumped out of the Center for American Progress, and he's not. It's not that he's not a progressive anymore, but he just got tired of dealing with. Uh, the entirety of progressivism now just being a tribal warfare between, you know, various different um, claimants to primacy based on uh, critical race theory and gender theory, uh, and because they're, they're not discussing anything else, he had to go to he had to go to the American Enterprise Institute to actually discuss things. And I mean, that's <laughs> oh, that's the yeah. bottom line is there's a god-sized hole, yes, in the left, and. Actually, and it started near, again, with abortion and with the response to AIDS and so forth, where you saw the separation of parties based on religion. There's a God-sized hole in the left that they try and fill with something else. But even more utilitarianism, here's, here's something for you to think about. When you see people try and redefine women, when you see people try and redefine what a man is, what a woman is, uh, all of these things, what it actually reminds me of are the people who passed the miscegenation laws. Think about what they did. Those people who insisted on the laws saying that yeah. you cannot marry a person of another race. What they were doing is they were redefining marriage based on their own philosophy in order in their own prejudices to justify themselves. I would argue that gay marriage was that same thing, but this is what redefining women is. It's all, it, they are no different than those who push the miscegenation laws. They're redefining basic structures yep. to justify themselves. And, and again, because if you don't have objective truth, if you don't believe in objective truth, and, and, and as a Catholic, and again, speaking as a Catholic, it is much harder to overcome a sin or overcome a temptation that we all struggle with than it is to redefine it as no longer a sin. Once you redefine it as no longer sin, once it's justifiable, yeah, then you, then the the work is much easier, and that's what happens to people. People do not realize that life is work. That you have there are a lot of things in life that you have to actually deal with, and the world is going to chew you up and spit you out. And for the enemy, and I don't refer to the left as the enemy; I refer to right. the enemy as the enemy. Right. Uh, uh, that's what they want. The enemy wants. And but when it comes down to it, our friends, the leftists, are also children of God, made in His image, and worthy of our prayer and support. Which is, I I have a thing where I pray for Stacy McCain. I mentioned him earlier. He brings he brings up interesting women, these group of women who are now saying, "I'm going to sterilize myself because of the road decision." And they live in blue states where they could get abortions anyways. Right. They so defined. They've so lost their hope in themselves. They become yeah. so tribal that they become irrational, and these are people we have to pray for. These are people we have to. That's exactly you know, right. You know, say a novena for, fast for maybe, and do these things because 
that God hold has to be filled with something, and the best, in my opinion, the best thing to fill it with is God. Right. But the left will fill it with something else in terms of utilitarianism. Right. All right, Peter. Peter and Gemi from detechguyblog.blog. Um, make sure you get that correct. Detechguyblog.blog. And what else? I give you give you a moment here to uh, to plug whatever else is coming up for you. Show us the book again. Tell us where you can find okay, it. Okay, the book which you can find at Amazon.com is called Hail Mary: The Perfect Protestant and Catholic Prayer. And a dollar of every sale goes to WQPH Radio 89.3 FM Shirley Fitchburg. It's an EWTA station. I host a show called Your Prayer Intentions every Saturday. It's a taped show. It's on it's on noon and then repeated at midnight. If you have a prayer intention, go to wqphradio.org slash prayerwall. Put it up there. We'll be very happy to plug it on the show. I'm also, as you may know, I'm a big baseball fan. Yes, indeed, I know that. And uh, and I am running, I'm a big fan of the Dynasty Baseball online game, and I run some leagues there, an all-pathetic league with all with teams that all lost 96 games, a draft <laughs> league from 1970. It's actually fun to play these teams that are pathetic against each other from all from all over the years. And I'm always looking for players. We have some openings in our all pathetic league. We have some. We're looking for alternates for our 1970 draft league in our in our face to face league, which began 31 years ago. Back before I, no, actually no, it was 30, 35 years ago. It was before I, I had my league before I had my marriage. Uh, we're looking for a player because one of our players is moving to upstate New York. So if you're in, in Massachusetts and willing to spend four hours on a Saturday in Fitchburg playing board games. With people, baseball games would be love to love to have you. And of course, the blog, the techiblog.blog. We have our, we still have our magnificent seven writers, and occasionally you'll see me covering politics if it's close enough, covering things for WQPH or covering pinball, which is my other passion. We had a big pinball festival in Massachusetts called Fantastic New England. You go to my YouTube channel, the Tech Guy Blogs channel, you'll see all my video on that. All right, the Tech Guy Blog blog. Peter and Gemi, thank you so much for being with us. We'll Ed, talk. thanks for having me, and my best to all of you at Hotware, and my best, as, my best to your wife, who's a charming lady. Thank you very much. Best to your wife as well, and uh, we will talk again soon, sir. Thanks for being with us. Happy day to you. All right, folks, stay tuned for a little bit more from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. Thanks again for watching the Ed Morrissey Show podcast, and if you like what you've seen, be sure to subscribe at Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us some good ratings on that YouTube, uh, Rumble. Uh, be sure to subscribe because it helps us get the word out. It helps this uh, show expand its footprint. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to Hot Air's VIP and VIP Gold program. Become a VIP member by visiting hotairvip.com. Use the promo code SAVEAMERICA for 40% off your membership. VIP gets you all access to the VIP posts at Hot Air, as well as the comments. It's members only now for the comments. If you do VIP Gold, that becomes true for all of the Town Hall media sites, such as PJ Media, such as townhall.com itself, Varying Arms, where I um, meet with uh, Cam Edwards every Wednesday uh, for the VIP Gold chat, which becomes accessible as well, and of course, twitchy.com. So be sure to subscribe, be sure to give us some good ratings, and thanks again for watching the Ed Morrissey Show podcast.